One of the more famous conversations in the context of the gospel takes place in the context of the Gospel of John chapter 18. There's a really famous conversation between Jesus and Pontius Pilate on the occasion of Good Friday. And they're basically talking about the nature of truth. So Christ is basically imploring Pontius Pilate to recognize the validity of the truth, and more to the point to recognize that he himself is the very embodiment of the truth. Jesus Christ, of course, being the way, the truth, and life. But of course, Pilate responds by essentially dismissing the Lord, saying at the very end of the conversation, what is truth? Now, quite apart from being sort of a minor historical footnote, this conversation actually has great significance in terms of reflecting a deeper problem which continues to plague the world even today. This tension between the truth and this philosophy called relativism. And what is relativism? Basically, this philosophy which advocates that there is no truth. There is no absolute truth which applies to everyone, everywhere, for all time. But instead, there's merely personal opinion. There's what I think and what you think, and there's my truth and there's your truth, which is another way of saying basically that, again, there is no truth. Now, in the face of it, the philosophy of relativism might seem to be the very bedrock of a tolerant and egalitarian society, but in reality, there's actually a bunch of things wrong with it. So without being exhaustive in this particular list, I just want to hit a couple of highlights in terms of what is actually wrong with the theory or philosophy of relativism. So the first thing that comes to mind is that relativism leads us to believe that life has no meaning. As we begin, the theory of relativism leads us to believe that life essentially has no meaning. Because if you think it through for a sec, right, if there is no absolute truth, therefore there's no right and wrong, there's no better way, there's no best way, which means that my choices don't matter, which in turn means that my life doesn't matter. And that very naturally leads to a sense of discouragement and despair because it leads me to conclude that again, life has no meaning. Whereas the reality is actually quite different because it actually does make a difference whether or not you choose, for example, to be a responsible parent, a responsible spouse, as opposed to a bank robber, because truth actually does matter. In any case, the second problem with regards to the philosophy of relativism is that it basically inhibits freedom of speech. And that might seem kind of funny because, again, relativism is seen as being the very bedrock of a tolerant and egalitarian society, whereas the reality is actually quite different. And so, for example, when it comes to issues of morality, we live in a world, obviously, where we can't really debate the merits of a particular type of lifestyle or a particular type of human behavior because uh, more often than not, we are accused of bigotry or hate speech. Whereas in reality, in the words of the Protestant pastor Rick Warren, we have largely bought into the lie that to love you means I have to agree with everything you say. And if I disagree with you, it means that I must hate you. But what that reflects basically is the fact that in this culture of relativism, there is no room for authentic freedom of speech. But that, of course, leads us to the third problem with regards to relativism, and basically this notion that it naturally leads to the tyranny of the majority or the tyranny of those who hold the most power. And because if you think about it, if you don't believe, if I don't believe, if we all don't believe that we have access to the truth by way of dialogue, authentic dialogue, and through the use of right reason, then what are we left with? How do we make important decisions? Well, in a certain sense, by default, we're left having recourse to the majority vote or to people who yell the loudest or people who hold the biggest stick, if you will. But if you think about it, of course, this particular approach doesn't really make a lot of sense because the truth remains a truth regardless of how many people acknowledge it to be such or how many people are actually offended by the truth. And so, for example, one plus one equals two because it's true. 
one final note, and I'll kind of end with this. So thus far, we've talked a lot about what is relativism and the various problems with regards to the theory or philosophy of relativism. But of course, it leads the outstanding question, what do we do about it? Well, even though there's a bunch of things we can actually do to kind of beat down or undermine the philosophy of relativism, for the sake of simplicity, I want to cite just one particular thing. We need to learn how to talk to each other. And in particular, we need to learn how to talk or converse with each other in a very calm, civilized, and rational sort of way. In other words, when you're working with people to solve a problem or otherwise work through various issues, you need to learn how to make a proper argument as opposed to simply being argumentative. Which is basically to say this. It's easy for us to say, for example, that yes, I believe in truth, or I believe in the truth espoused by the Lord Jesus Christ, and I disavow any sort of affiliation to the theory of relativism. But of course, the proof lies in the pudding. Like, how do I conduct myself in relationship to other people? And so, for example, when I dialogue with other people, do I constantly appeal to anger or tradition or the tyranny of the majority? Saying some variation of like, look, I think we should do this thing because uh, I'm offended or I'm upset or most people want it this way or because this is the way we've always done things. As opposed to appealing to reasons which are grounded very much in sound logic and reasoning. Mindful of the fact, again, that just because I love you doesn't mean I have to agree with you. And just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I actually hate you. Now, obviously, if the stuff we're talking about today is relatively new to you and you realize in retrospect that you're more used to being argumentative as opposed to making a proper argument, um, yeah, it's going to take time to incorporate these principles and concepts into the fabric of your ordinary life. But if you persevere in this regard, the payoff is really significant because you'll realize over time that your relationships become a lot more fruitful, they become a lot more generative, and more to the point, you'll discover over time that slowly, but in a very distinctive sort of way, you're actually undermining the philosophy of relativism. And may God bless you all.